What's up, After Brothers? We are here discussing episode three of Trust. We're talking sex, we're talking drugs, we're talking family ties, we're talking kidnappings, and we're talking fake kidnappings. Stay tuned. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. <laughs> Get her some lights, Anthony. There we go. Thank you. What's up, After Brothers? Thank you so much for coming back and watching this show. Uh, we've been loving this season this far, and we're glad that you guys are here enjoying it with us. I am your host, Juliet, and to my left, I have my lovely Mina. How are you doing, darling? I'm doing really well. Okay, great. Uh, you you came and saw me when I was watching the show, and I was just like, it was so intense, but now I'm good. Good, good. Monique Loveless. <laughs> yes. Hey, everybody. It's Monique Loveless in the house. So, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, so I have to ask you, you kind of touched a, bit, a little bit on it, but what was your overall thought of this episode, episode three? Oh, it was just so it was really intense, but also for whatever reason, I didn't find it as captivating as the other episodes, just because I love it when there's we see more of Getty and his wives and <laughs> everything else at right. once. I don't like it just being hyper focused, but it was definitely necessary for the plot. Yeah, yeah, y- yeah I totally agree. Um, I love like this episode was. Actually, I I can't say this. This episode was a little slower than the rest of the episodes, I feel. Really? But I do like how they got into the explanation. I feel like things that are more explanations um, are are a little slower because then you get into the climax. But, you, you know, when they explain it, then, yeah. I get what you're saying, but I disagree. I felt like this, for me, at least was the fastest episode. Maybe not episode one because the pilot did give us so much information as most pilots do. Um, but I really enjoyed that we were in this fast pace. We're kind of jumping up and back and forth in time and it was just all this craziness and it was kind of like a snowball effect, right, of... Um, just all this, these things that you know ha- happened to him and to the family, and it kind of makes me want. Like the first topic I want to talk about is the snowball effect. The whole time I was watching this episode, I don't know if you guys agree. I was, oh, what if, what if they they kept on like putting out this episode and laying it out with these tidbits and these moments where if only and what if you know another decision had been made, another thing had been said, we would probably not be in this predicament. Does that really? make sense? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. Like any, like every little thing had a huge impact, is what you're saying. Exactly. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I got that. I just didn't know like how how different things would be if anything. In my mind, I was like, okay, he got himself into the situation. There's no getting out of it. Well, of course, but I think uh, you know we see him just jump around like his friends. If his friends hadn't acted the way that they did, if he wasn't taking as many drugs, if. Uh, he had a better relationship with the um, restaurant owner, right? The, the whole uh, Roman Polanski. So basically, if he wasn't J. Paul Getty the Third, exactly. <laughs> no, but no. If he had be made different. better decisions, and if he had surrounded yourself with better people, but yeah. then if he would have made better decisions, we wouldn't have this story. So I just feel I, I'm feeling as though it's like um, this particular episode really delves into why he's in the situation which I appreciate but at the same time I I'm I don't know I feel I I didn't have honestly I I didn't have any what ifs I I just felt like most people like a lot of people who are on drugs don't think 
clearly so or have the clarity so they tend to make certain decisions like this so it makes sense right well that's kind of what that about what if moment i'm talking about is and when he in the beginning is hopping into the trunk and he's just in the trunk and you see he's going through withdrawals and he's just looking back at like <gasps> only what maybe two weeks there's a time period so he left for a week and then this is right after he goes back so only a few days technically and mm-hmm. he's just reliving and all the craziness that went down I just thought that that was so intense and I really love how they edited the show together to yes. tell that story what do you guys think about the, the editing at least I thought it was so good and they were showing like certain things happening I don't want to say slow motion, but it's literally the way Danny Boyle did Slumdog Millionaire, where it's like you see flashes of light Mm -hmm. and everything kind of has like this orange kind of tint to it. And it's like movement, pause, movement, pause, movement, pause. Did you guys see that? Yeah, and it's like going back in time. So it's it's not really a flat. It always is bouncing off, but not Mm -hmm. the same time period. And we're going back and forth. It's always out of order. Right. But it's not confusing for whatever reason. However it's done, you know the chronology. Yeah, very true. And I think it's because every time we go back, it's just to explain something. And it just all comes together beautifully. Yeah. Yeah, I love the um, picture, like, the shots. I was like, oh, my gosh, that's a beautiful shot when him and Martina are sitting up on it. Yeah. And they go back yes. and forth. It's it Like, the shots are great. It, it's very picturesque, which mm-hmm. is what you want in a shot. So I thought the shots in this, it, you know, were amazing. It's the same way I feel about, like, The Handmaid's Tale. The shots are just, I mean, Beautiful. it brings the story together. Mm-hmm. I mean, at the same time, you also have Rome at the forefront of this, right? And so everywhere they look is just so, so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, but they also show the really, like, gritty, dungeon-y parts of Rome. They and, really like, do. And mm-hmm. they still, everything is still stunning stylistically. Yeah. Yeah. It is, but lighting, talking, everything. Yeah, talking more about that grunginess, yeah. um, especially how the way they're living, right? They're in this pretty big apartment. They're on top of each other. They're running out of food. They just have pasta with nothing. And and they're just mainly just doing a lot of drugs. And throughout the episode, where you, we have seen that in the past few episodes, but were you kind of surprised at how much he was intaking per day, like with his friends and stuff? No. How much they were partying? You weren't surprised at all. Why no. is that? Um, when you just have personal experiences with it, like close to you, you understand it. Like you get it. Mm-hmm. Like so when... When um, John Paul Getty, like, senior, was like, I don't want, you know, during the first episodes, and he was like, I don't want anything to do with family who is, you know, what's up with this drug problem? It's really taxing because they will do anything. Nothing is surprising. Nothing is surprising. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I'm not surprised at all. You weren't surprised at all? Mm -hmm. I was kind of surprised at the fact that, that he didn't take a second to think, wait, how are we buying these drugs? Mm-hmm. They cannot afford food, and they have to scam their way into um, getting dinner and like having those paintings, which I thought was really entertaining. Mm-hmm. Yet there's no thought process until later in the episode. Like, what? You mean you've, you've put this, there's a tab under my name? My question was, why would they make a tab on somebody else's, not, not his friends, but why would the guy take... <laughs> Why would the guy give them a tab anyway? That's what I didn't understand. (laughs) A tab for them makes sense. Like I said, once again, you know, people who are on drugs make certain decisions that you would just be like, that's a decision you know not to make. But, um, because they're just not in the right mind. But it's like, why would you make a tab when you're supposed to be a drug dealer? (laughs) Right. Who makes tabs? Especially. I need my money. (laughs) Like, right now. Uh, I'm not not taking 
no tabs. I owe you. We, this is not I owe you. So yeah. I just, I don't know. <laughs> that was weird to me. Yeah. It was strange because, it, yeah, that made no sense in the sense where he kept on having to come up with different paintings. And we saw in the first episodes how many paintings. There's numerous, numerous paintings. And he's begging basically for food. Yet they're giving him highly expensive drugs, and they're just throwing the Getty name. And that just, I think, was another way to just show how much back then that name had so much power. He's the richest. He's he's related to the richest man on on earth. Right. Technically, like they said in the first episode when they broke it down, you're rich, but it's in it's in the trust. It's right. Like you're not really rich, but you're rich. Mm-hmm. Like he said, we never do cash. Like so, it's kind of like. People didn't understand that. I, I'm just blown away by why would you give somebody who is on drugs a tab? Like, right. seriously. Right. But I, I think, didn't get that. But you but do also, make a great I, point. Like where is it? How... You do make a great point that um, he. It, no one really knows the reality as yeah. they explain that they put it down. It's like the trust, you only have access to it here and there, but no cash. Yeah. And it's just, I think this, this show in general is doing a good job at making a comment on what the perception is back then, right? The right. public view versus the actual facts. Right, right. What were you going to say? I have no idea. I totally forgot. Yeah, totally forgot. My yeah, point. so when they when they covered that in the first episode, I thought that was great because now we can see the reality, but a lot of the times people aren't thinking of the reality. And even when he saw it, he still didn't think of the reality. Like, oh, he's going to pay. Oh, he's going to pay. Like, hello? You just saw everything that goes into this, and you still think that he's going to pay out cash to somebody? Right. So uh, his circle of friends feel that he can just go and ask his parents for money, right? His his mom especially. Mm-hmm. Um, which I thought was kind of, it just showed us more about this dynamic of he's not surrounded by the best people. He does seem like he it, I mean, he's highly affectionate towards one of the twins, but they seem like they're just kind of, Everyone's in the mix, right? Everyone's right. kind of making out. There's no... It's just a lot of sex and drugs. Right. <laughs> Were you surprised with, by those twins at all? No, no. Not at all. No, no, no. It, like I said, it's funny. I know I keep saying no, but it's funny because when you have personal experience with people on drugs, like, you can see the difference. Like, you're smart any other time. Like, when you start this, it's, it, it's whatever. It's anything goes mm-hmm. um and so no i wasn't surprised i wasn't surprised by anything i wasn't surprised by the fact they were like oh we put your name out there oh now we're scared oh now like no i wasn't surprised by any of it right but what i thought was crazy is that it just let's remember that he's 16 at the time he is 16 years old and yes he has like one maybe two girlfriends I still don't really know that full dynamic one at least that he's really attached to mm-hmm. Martina uh, Martina mm-hmm. <laughs> and they just even though they're living a really really reckless lifestyle they don't seem like bad people right they're just partying and they're trying to hang out with Roman Polanski and they find now they've Getty finds himself in this crazy situation. Mm-hmm. Crazy, yeah. right? Like, when you I really break it why, down like that. I don't get why he would even co- go back to Rome after seeing his mom and just getting that little lump sum of cash. 
Like, I feel like there were so many ways for him to not be in the situation, and that's the part that's annoying. And I know we wouldn't have a story if, like, none of this happened. But right. I just don't, like, how did you get into this situation? Like, right. it's just so much recklessness. You would think that once he's in the hole, he's not going to keep digging the hole and making it bigger and bigger and bigger. But, mm-hmm. like you said, when you're on drugs... Nothing matters. It Nothing doesn't matters. matter. And he's Nothing. young, he's reckless, his prefrontal cortex isn't fully developed, he's not making <laughs> rational decisions. Pushing through the prefrontal like, cortex. I don't know. I just feel like it's all one thing after another. No, but I, I do agree. But in a way, I feel like he was trying to fix it. But by trying to fix everything, he was making things worse. So you're saying that when he went, he goes to see his mom and she uh, gives him that wad of cash. Mm-hmm. Instead of going to England, like we know that he did, to go back for more money, mm-hmm. you think he should have just split? Yeah, like, why go back? Is is this really the love of your life? Like, why are you going back Absolutely to, to not. That run? was annoying. Like, yeah. Like, she I just, wasn't. Oh, freaking, like, teenagers. Like, I just don't... Like, why go back to Rome? Like, you already have all these people after you. If you stay there, they're not going to come after you. Yeah, that was... I think that was That's, a good question. Yeah. Like, why go back? Why return when all of these people clearly threw you under the bus already. Maybe because he didn't want anything to happen to the twins, but it's just... That's it's not... A, he wants to go to Morocco, you guys. He wants to be with his girlfriend in, in Morocco and have children That's and marry you her. just shake somebody and say, it's not your responsibility. Like, yeah. so... I, I don't... But he has nothing else to live for. Like, what else does he have? He's not happy without her, and right. he's living this life, like... I don't know. I know. It's so toxic. It's so toxic. And you know what? I think that... If only he could have listened to a podcast, right? That when he's gonna tell you guys a little bit about <laughs> exactly. It See, so he would have got his life if together if he would have been listening 70s. to this, right? If yeah. he would have been listening to this podcast, he would have had his life together. Okay, um, <laughs> tell us about it. So, want to have fun, learn, and grow in all areas of your life? For those who do, have we have a podcast for you? Conversations with Maria Menounos. Um, podcast edition is hosted by our AfterBuzz TV founder and drops every Friday on iTunes. Conversations with Maria Menounos features celebrity and influencer interviews along with secrets, tips on how to be better in all aspects of life, from health and wellness to career relationships, finances, and more. Let our Maria be the big sister you've always wanted. Just go to iTunes and subscribe to Conversations with Maria Menounos for free. Be sure to rate and comment, and when you do, let Maria know it was us who sent you there. Conversations with Maria Menounos, podcast edition. Check it out. So, yeah, if he would have had that, I just, maybe he would have had his life together. It's really good, and she talks about, like, stem cells and, like, all sorts. Like, it's everything. It's not just one thing. So, fun. He would have benefited. He would have. And the finance part. As when he said, um, please do check it out. I mean, such great content there, and Leave a good comment on iTunes and tell Maria that we brought her, brought you there because yes, yeah, we want definitely. her to be happy with us. Definitely. <laughs> um, you know who was happy, but it was kind of sad. Was actually you know his mom, Paul's mom. Poor thing. Did you guys? How do you guys feel about that whole scene when he goes to visit his family and she's trying to get him to stay? And obviously that doesn't happen. What were your thoughts? I just, it's so obvious how much she loves him, and Mm -hmm. I feel like he is, to a certain degree, a softy, and 
it it's evident. I mean, we find out later that he did kind of have a rough childhood in the sense that his parents always argued. Not his stepdad, but like his actual legit like yeah. biological dad. A lot dad. of drinking and yeah, yeah. like he, he talks about that when he talks about how they would just his siblings and him would go to the roof and they'd pretend that they were like escaping on a mm. canoe. And when I heard that I was like, Oh man, like he probably just like went through so much because his dad was on drugs and his mom's trying to keep the family together. Um, and you really feel, like, you feel the love the mother has for him, but you also feel to a certain degree, like, he really loves her, but there's, like, a lot of pain there, and there is a disconnect and, like, distance there, and yes, obviously part of it is because of the drugs, but I think there's also so much more there where, you know, she probably blames herself for the whole kidnapping and, like, not, not being a better mother, but she is clearly right. trying the best she can like she, i don't think she's she a bad but we're, mom we're, i mean we're not there yet in the story but i do yeah. like what you're getting at is that their whole dynamic you see pain there yeah you do. yeah you, you do be, and it's because um, probably because of the stepdad too you see that interaction yeah it I, is. yeah i definitely see pain and and i feel like guilt she felt guilty that his life is the way that it is yeah for sure um that, I feel like that's why she also gave him the money mm-hmm. because most times when parents are like, oh, I'm done, they're not, they're like, you're just coming home to get money so that you can do drugs. Like he said in the beginning, um, um, to the child, to his dad, he was like, you want money again? You, you know. So I'm just feeling like there was guilt there. She feels guilt. I, I do feel like it was, it was a really sad moment because all the kids wanted him to come home. Um, his mom wanted him to come home and then the stepdad or whoever he is, the boyfriend, mm-hmm. comes in and ruins that moment. Like you're you're a nobody. Like you need to work, you need to I feel like that is such a realistic moment and he was actually like, You need to I don't think he does not like him. I think he just wants to see him get his life together and at this point it's taxing. It's like why are you even coming around? Right. Because you don't have it together. You you're always you know, it, it's just one of those relationships that I think is realistic. It's very realistic. It is. And you were talking earlier about how he just wanted someone to shake him. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting because what he was saying was true, right? He was saying, I'll pay you five bucks an hour. And yeah. if he was getting that shaking that he needed, it shows that they don't have that relationship for that to be really heard and listened to. It needs to be yes. coming from the mother. And she... I think as Mina was pointing out, it just feels really guilty because she keeps keeping these men, yeah. picking these men who aren't really grateful for her, right? Right. She, th- this boyfriend's drinking. He, he doesn't get along with her son, which is you know very imperative to put a, keep a family together. You have mm-hmm. to get along. Right. Um, it's just step parent, you know. So I think yeah, a lot of pain there, a lot of stuff. Um, I'm, I'm reading right now, by the way, like this is in real life. Um, they're talking about where is Gail now? Like where is the mom? And it's just such a sad story. Like, it talks about how, you know, she was really vocal. She was a tough person because of everything that she had gone through. And that she literally cared for her son until he was 54 years old when he passed away. Because when J. Paul Getty III was 25 years old, he became paralyzed because of a drug overdose. Yeah. So it's just, like, such a sad story. And I can't, like, I can't even believe, like, everything that she's gone through, not even just taking care of her son and seeing him paralyzed, but everything before that with her, her husband at the time, who was a drug addict. Right, it's, and I think this show, you know, we we always hear the expression, like, money does not buy happiness, Mm -hmm. and these people are the wealthiest, and the most, like, think of all the darkness that surrounds them. Yes, that's a great point. Yeah. 
That's a great kidnappings, point. and then post. You know, not only that get did Getty survive this kidnapping, which is you know considering like the mafia, he got you know, his ear oh, chopped off, and like right. Oh no, but what I'm getting at is that yeah, not you know it's not everybody survives a kidnapping. Considering mm-hmm. all those crazy situations and scenarios he was put in, the fact that he was able to survive that comes back to his uh, home mm-hmm. and like loved ones, and yet he's still spiraling. Um, he and we were talking about as you're mentioning and we were talking about his girlfriend he uh, in this episode asks if um, if someone can um, I'm sorry he asks if the girlfriend would will marry him and they can you know, move to Morocco and all that mm-hmm. so that actually did happen right yeah they, he comes back finally you know, not to spoil the show but you guys know this <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, he, he was able to marry her so that's that was sweet but yet still he can't toxic the money though <laughs> he cannot inherit the money clause. so it's, there's yeah there's always a clause and he did have a kid and his mother helped take care of that kid mm-hmm. because you know he was unable to do so because his mom was taking care of him and his kid at the time it's just it's so much like I just can't like I feel like people tend to not empathize with the ridiculously wealthy because at times they find them unrelatable but it's just like there is a fascination with celebrity and and with like the top one percent top ten percent but also like I like really empathize with them like this is a super sad story mm-hmm. I can't relate but I am like I still I still feel really bad yeah um in in this like particular episode I just I even when um, you know he was talking to Martina about Marion and they had to you know he had to go because he was about to go through with all this kidnapping stuff which blows my my, my it does blow my mind but whatever um, it was just one of those things where like are you really in love or are the drugs talking. Right. Or is it the idea of love? Yeah, or the, yeah, the idea of love. Because he goes off. I mean, when he go even in this episode, when he goes off and escapes, he's kissing other women and, mm-hmm. like, just all... It was... She's kissing... Was, did, did he kiss other women? I saw he, her kissing out with a bunch of people. No, he kissed that lady scene. in the... No, no, no. Oh. When he kissed the lady in the bar, when right. the music is coming on, oh. and he's in the bar, and he's drinking, and he kisses her. He tells her to kiss him, and she kiss... They kiss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And then that's when I like how they went back to that scene from a couple episodes right. back. Yeah, they kept on jumping around. Yeah. Um, so as we know, he uh, went to England. That didn't really work out, and so he's back. And the the twins are pissed, even though they know why he left with a purpose, and they kind of are the reason why he they're in this predicament. They're still pissed because they were you know in a dangerous situation while he was gone, and that's when he comes up with the idea of a fake kidnapping. Mm-hmm. So, me and I talked about this in the last episode where we try to figure out, okay, there's rumors that, that this was a fake kidnapping, but then it became a real one, and there's other rumors that completely deny that, and we couldn't really find a real truth to it. So I thought it was really interesting that the show went with this idea. It's of, both. It's both. It's both, yeah. Right, so what do you guys think yeah, about that? I thought that was really good. Like, it, it was planned and then turned into a real kidnapping. By the big boss, right? That was Primo. Primo was the one that, yeah, if I'm correct, one. is the one that they owed anyway. But they mm-hmm. were doing it. Through he, the, he's the big guy. He's the guy yeah. that we see in the beginning, who's who's who scolds him, and he's like, well, "Why are you giving them free drugs?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I would have been asking the same damn question too. I love he's like, you owe me money, so why why are you being so generous when you you owe me money? 
Giving and, free drugs is like giving a free trial to any product. Like, right. once you get hooked, you're going to buy that membership <laughs> and get it. Uh, so, <laughs> Getty goes and um, Paul uh, goes to Bertolini and says, listen, I don't have your money, but we're gonna, we're both going to win if we do this fake <laughs> kidnapping. Mm-hmm. And quickly we realize, wait, that's not actually going to plan. And what happens is that there's a change in management, as Primo said it. I, I thought- love that. That was great. He's like, it's been a change in management. <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing, yes. That was so funny. And then I was like, oh, wow, things are getting really real. Oh, gosh, that was so stressful. Um, so with that, there's just like this whole chasing scene, and he's trying to get the, um, Bertolini's trying to get the, get the money. And then he ends up dead, and that's when we really see how powerful Primo is. Yeah, mm. and, and I think we had a pretty good indication of that. It was foreshadowed in the very beginning scene of the movie when he shoots those two elder, the elderly couple. Um, we already knew, like, this guy is brutal, he's merciless, There there's, like, no redeeming quality in Primo, and I don't think we're ever going to see a redeeming quality in him, as evidenced by the fact that after he shot, like, I don't know if you guys noticed this, after he shot uh, both of them dead, by the way, crazy accuracy with that rifle, um, but when he shot both sniper. of them... Sniper. Or sniper, yeah, because it had the little, yeah. the little hole where you, like, look He's through. He's a sniper. Um, after he did that, he could have, like, killed um, Bertolini, but instead of killing him... He's like, oh, and I'm not gonna make like, I'm not gonna make this quick and painless. I'm gonna take a rope and strangle you to death, and I think that was done to instill fear in J. Paul Getty III, so that he knew not to ever disobey him or not to ever do anything, and he, so that J. Paul Getty III knew what he was getting into, and right. then he puts him in the trunk. With he does, the dead and like body. even it was funny because he before that Paul's running away because he's just like, oh my god, what's happening? And he's mm-hmm. just running and. I, I don't even know the way he was running. It was more so of like a chicken with their head cut off. You know what I mean? He wasn't really trying to escape. He was just trying to run away from his reality. But even though he knew he couldn't, mm-hmm. uh, did you guys think he was really trying to run away, or do you think I'm right? I think you're right. Yeah, he I think did you're it right. haphazardly. Where I was he going to go? It's a giant cornfield or yeah. whatever that place was. He has nowhere to go. Middle of nowhere. No keys to the in the ignition. Like, nothing. Right. And especially when you just saw two guys get shot who had a car. They had a car, right? They, they, they were gone. <laughs> and yeah. They were gone. <laughs> so what are you going to do? And it's funny because even Primo was very calm. The fact that his, like, capturee mm-hmm. runs away. He just, like, looks at him and he's just like... He knows nothing's going to happen. He's not right. like, he doesn't stop his killing and then, you know, run after him, which I thought was even more jarring because it was like, oh, wow, this guy's so in control and he knows yeah. it. I had so many conflicting feelings. One of my feelings was like, why didn't Bertolini just take his handgun and shoot him when he was disarmed? And then I was like, okay, because Primo is like not yeah. this black and white evil guy like there's more to him than that and another part of me is like that's what you get primo that's what you get for doing this and then i was like no this is actually really sad yeah yeah no i i don't know he's the boss so we'll see what happens we will i mean we know what happens but i i like to follow the show because i feel like they go in more detail yeah for sure how we you know how things really went down. Yeah, I thought it was really cool how they ended the episode 
uh, towards the end with uh, him in the trunk, yes, as, as we were mentioning with Bertolina, yeah. his dead body, because in the beginning of the episode, he's in the trunk of a car, and it's already really creepy, but knowing what we know at the end of the episode, in the beginning, he is in control, right? Mm-hmm. He's in, he, it's his idea, and... And you can also see out of it, like that little tunnel or the little light in the hole kind of symbolizes like there still is hope. There still is hope. There still is like a tiny ounce of hope if I change one thing. Exactly. But no, because he's on drugs, he's going through withdrawals, he's in his, they call it the five star hotel of kidnappings, right? In a room, his own bathroom, the whole thing. And he's going with withdrawals Mm. and he he escapes because he needs coke. Mm-hmm. And that's why I go back in the beginning of this episode. I was saying, I keep on saying, what if, what if? Because what if he just had stuck to the plan? We would mm-hmm. not be in this predicament, now would we? Yeah. Probably not. <laughs> he was even wearing the cocaine shirt in the very beginning. Remember that? It looked like Coca-Cola, but it said cocaine. That's so funny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, it, like, um, yeah, I feel like, yeah, if you would have... But then again, it's like you staged your own kidnapping. What do you expect? Who the who are these people? Like yeah. you staged your own kidnapping, and people who go along with that. They're you are destined to fall into something he a jinxed, little more dangerous. He jinxed right. himself. Yeah, he did. But I go back to the fact that he's a sixteen-year-old kid who has been doing way too much blow and just doesn't really. He's not just all there yet, you know? Well, that's his fault. <laughs> Monique it. has, like, no patience for I him. have no empathy for people like that because it's just kind of like you are making a decision. You have a choice. You're making the decision to be 16 and do blow. And nobody, like, you're out, like, first of all, yes, you may be broke, but you're out in Rome in 16. I couldn't afford to go to Rome. <laughs> so I'm saying, no, I have no sympathy or empathy for just, like the reckless yeah the reckless yeah the recklessness that and and the the non-understanding of that this is life and you choose exactly so Mm -hmm. the fact that because i was 16 i knew that well enough yeah Um, i'm pretty sure at 16 you know at least that much even if your frontal lobe ain't right that's why i really did (laughs) your your prefrontal cortex and you know actually your prefrontal <laughs> cortex is slower to develop when you're a guy than when you're a girl. So that's why girls develop Still faster no and can make better decisions at the same age that a guy can't. That's so funny. We just mature faster. That is true because, side note, I just did find out that men don't grow up until 43. So Oh, that's not, it doesn't take until 43 for the frontal cortex to Well, it might. So. <laughs> but, but anyways, but yeah, I, think, I just didn't feel no, I, I didn't feel any type of way about it because he dug himself a hole and now he's trying to dig himself out of it on drugs. All of this while you're on drugs. Right. There's mm-hmm. no way. That's why I really did enjoy that scene mm-hmm. of him running away. Yeah. Because prior saying? to that, you could argue, oh, well, he's young. He surrounded himself with bad people. He's not the one who did the tab. All these things are happening to him. Versus, no, he he ran away. But I thought it was he, interesting he's that, situations. Like, that the drugs were more <laughs> of a catalyst for him to, like, find a way to escape than other things are. Like, shouldn't his life be more important as like the thing that motivates him to escape but literally he was in such a terrible state and he needed his drugs that that was the way he escaped after the guy goes to like throw away his fecal matter i'm feeling like what the escape had a little more depth to it than i just escaped it was it was kind of like you said in the the when they were out in the cornfield and he was running but he wasn't he wasn't running 
because he knew he could leave. He was just trying to somehow get away from his reality. Yeah. And I felt that same way with that. Are you that. talking about that running, not the one where he goes out? Well, no, both. I'm, okay. I'm bringing it back to that. So I'm talking about in 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 that case, this, I feel like the escape was the same way mm-hmm. as the, the running in the garden or the cornfield or the sunflower, whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it was the escape was the same way. Like, he wasn't really trying to run. Like, he wasn't trying to run from the kidnapping because he knew what this was he was trying to somehow escape himself or escape reality right. that's kind of what i picked up from it so i thought so too and then the last mm. thing i want to touch up upon is the fact that he his passion for art right that he his friends are getting drunk and they continue to go party to go to roman polanski's house which i thought was such a funny touch uh, to the show, especially Roman Polanski back then wasn't who he is now. I mean, he's you know he's obviously going to be the same person, but um, was really at the peak uh, of his career, and everyone wants to party with him. Like it's really cool. There's awesome filmmakers in town, yet mm-hmm. he doesn't really care about partying with the stars and the the socialites and all that. He just wants to go and sleep in front of a painting. Mm-hmm. Well, that's because he understands the celebrity life. Well, not celebrity, but the wealthy life. Mm-hmm. That's not intriguing to him because he's seen it in a negative light. Mm-hmm. So he's really, I feel like he tapped into something that he's more passionate about. That That is kind of like the upside. Like, you know, I feel like when you're down and out and you never came from anything, you want to go and see mm-hmm. the parties and be with the celebrities and yeah, all of these known people. that's such people. a good point. But with him, he's already had that lifestyle and he sees how it's ruined his family. So it's like, it's not about the money, guys. It's not about this. It's about a passion. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm... He is experienced more of the passion of life than the, I want wealth. Right. In life, so. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was... It was also this... the. I don't know who who that guy was. A gate opener. He handles the museum of some sorts. Anyways, the guy who lets him in. Um, he's telling him about the painting. The painting was from uh, Batista Batista San Ginovi. I'm sorry if I'm missing this. Um, and he was telling this whole story about the painting. And I thought it was interesting how he was, in a way, forewarning him. Mm-hmm. And he was saying she just wanted the the girl in the painting mm-hmm. uh, wanted the head of John Batiste on a silver platter. Yeah, and it just kind of I took it as be aware of these women you're surrounding yourself with. Mm-hmm. What did you guys understand that it reference as to? That's really perceptive. I didn't really look into it. I knew it was symbolic, but I didn't really <laughs> read into it more. But now that you say that, I totally agree with you. Yeah, I, I definitely thought the same thing. Like, just be careful of the women. That you, or just people in general that you surround yourself with um, because it can be a danger zone. Right. So yeah. All they want is your head on a silver platter, mm-hmm. right? Or the Getty yep. name, you know? Uh, with that being said, I think that kind of wraps up our episode. Uh, do you want to get into some news and predictions, Mina? Yeah, let's yes, do it. let's do some news and predictions. News and predictions. News and gossip. After Buzz TV News. <laughs> Sorry about that, Flop, guys. Uh, so, yeah, what'd you get with us for some news? Uh, well, this is like more from a historical context, but mm-hmm. in the very beginning of the episode, we see, you know, all of the different riots and how J. Paul Getty III is kind of like throwing stuff and he's kind of in there. Um, and it's just like a lot of chaos going al- around. So I found out that this was actually known as the hot autumn and uh, it refers to the widespread unrest in the 60s and 70s in Italy. Uh, and basically it just 
there were like different acts of terrorism, but it was carried out on both sides. There was a right wing and a left wing paramilitary group, um, and the the groups were it was just like a lot going on. Like I can read the whole thing to you, um, but it was like this whole movement, and there were a lot of people who opposed this movement and. It was like the younger generation that would protest against it and obviously like different factions competing for power mm-hmm. and that was what was really going on at the yeah, time. Yeah, I think that's interesting. It's an interesting point because um, although, yes, he is technically not Italian, he is living amongst the Italian people and he is young and you're saying that the young people are fighting at least their government and they're taking action mm-hmm. versus he's living a life of just just drug, sex and drugs and rock and roll. Yeah. Uh, so I think it was a good juxtaposition of between what's going on in the world, the real people versus the Gettys of the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So really, really cool. Uh, what about the title of the episode? Uh, so La Dolce Vida means the sweet life mm-hmm. and it's kind of ironic because there was nothing sweet about it but it kind of refers to, like, indulging in, like, the finer pleasures of life. But it also refers to a legendary film by Fellini. And it, it was in this film that the term paparazzi also became, like, an American word, in a sense. Because it is an Italian word, but it became used, like, It's the international word. Yeah, it's an international In our, like, you know, in our society where we're like, oh, paparazzi, TMZ, like this, that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, the other... Other reference. There's like a lot of film references within this whole Getty series, where right. there's like film references here, there, and with Roman Flair. I think that's a great. I, I honestly, this is what came to my mind. I think that's a great title for this, the Sweet Life. Like honestly, if you have the life to be able to stage your own kidnapping because you even think you're going to get money, like you're not going to stage your kidnapping if you're poor people. Yeah. <laughs> like, no you're going to be like, you're not, yeah, you're not getting anything no one out cares. of it. So I do think that's like actually a perfect title for hey, what? Yeah, mm-hmm. it is. And that Fellini movie you're referencing, yeah, he uh it's a character in the in the movie mm-hmm. named Paparazzi, and that's really interesting that that's yeah. it's an international world renowned name for a, a job. Yeah. <laughs> now that was based on a character, which is really a really fun fact. So thank you for sharing it with us. Yeah. Uh, with that being said, let's hand some quick predictions before we wrap the show up. And now all right, Monique, what do, do you got for really us? Do we really have predictions with this sh- with this show? Like, how, know what, what, what would you? Okay, I mean, I'm just asking. I know I understand the next, but I'm just saying, is there a prediction? Well, I mean, have you? Okay, couple <clears throat> questions. Have you guys seen the promo for the next episode? Yes. yes. Okay. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. All right. Um. So I am. The, uh, okay, so the next episode is, um, I don't know. I feel like it's going to be a, a little bit better than this one. This one, I, I think it was good, but it was just slow for me because mm-hmm. um, they were trying to explain the kidnapping. But I, I think next episode is really going to pick up, and I'm actually really excited to see next episode. What are you, okay, if you don't have a prediction, is there something you would like to see? Do you not necessarily think it will, but what, what would be cool to see? It's hard to say because, like, you kind of already know the story. That's why I say, I mean, do we really have predictions? But it's hard to say because you already kind of know the story. I do want to get more into, um, which we do see next week, more into the primo kind of kidnapping, that side of things, Mm -hmm. and how it really is for a real kidnapping where he can't just open up the window and have his 
sailor and boat and, you know, be talking to the person that actually kidnapped you and having all these... Yeah, no friends. Yeah, moments. So him kind of going through that, and I think we see that side next week of the real kidnapping. Mm -hmm. What you thinking? Um, I definitely want to see the relationship between between his mom, Gail, and him. I mean, J. Paul Getty III. I think we're definitely going to see that in next week's episode we're gonna see like how affected she is by the news of her of his kidnapping and we're gonna get more into depth with that and i'm pretty sure we're gonna see flashbacks of him and his mom's relationship in the past maybe things that went wrong things that went right like that's what i'm most interested in is like those interpersonal connections and you know i want to know why is j paul getty the third the way he is what was he like as a child why is he like this now like what motivates him in life and what are some traumatic memories he has from his childhood that have caused him to act a certain way? Like, that's what I'm most interested in when it comes to the development of the plot. Right, I agree. I, that's really what I want to see, too. I want to... In this episode, he mentions his grandfather showing him paintings at a young age. So I want to see young Getty with his grandfather. I want to see more of the mom and the dad and, and why he is in this situation at 16 years old, living alone, full of drugs and that just is his reality and his mom's aware and everybody's aware and no one's really doing anything about it so that's what I'm excited to see it's gonna be the first episode not directed by Danny Boyle right so it I'm is super curious to see like how does that change everything stylistically because I loved like how everything was stylistically for mm-hmm. episodes one through three now I'm kind of like what are we gonna expect now well, like how's it gonna change a lot of shows do this and FX especially will will you know have to Switch different directors yeah, and different, at each do. episode so I think yeah I'm excited you know as much as I've really enjoyed these uh, episodes. I think it's going to be really cool to have things changed up. Uh, with that being said, guys, please, please, please go on our iTunes and rate, comment, uh, subscribe, go on our YouTubes, like our yes. videos, uh, and also go follow us on Instagram, on Twitter. Where can you guys, where can they find you? Um, you can find me, I'm Anique Loveless, and you can find me everywhere at Miss Mo Loveless, and that's M-S-M-O-L-O-V-E-L-E-S-S. Um, so make sure you check that out. And also, every Tuesday, I am on The Voice at 10 p.m. So make sure you check that out, too. Hey, everyone. I'm Mina Wahab. You can find me on social media at Mina Makes Magic. And make sure to tune in to the season finale of America's Next Top Model and watch our after show at 8 p.m. on Tuesday. It's going to be really, really awesome. Wow. Awesome, guys. I'm definitely going to be tuning in in those, too. Um, as you guys know, there's so much content here on AfterBuzz. Those are only two shows out of so many others. So get lost in the AfterBuzz rabbit hole. We have so many different channels. Uh, we do wrestling sports. We do a lot of red carpets, too. So we get to hear uh, from the stars themselves. Uh, and, yeah, go check that all out. And follow me on Instagram at Juliet. Until next time. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other aftershows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. See you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.